Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look back at some press conference sound from this past week at Chiefs training camp. Also in the Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and myself break down each position giving grades for the Chiefs. But first, we start off as always with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Hey, Charles, what are your thoughts on Alex Okafor restructuring his contract? I think the Chiefs were just really straight with Okafor and his representation about the situation at hand. They could have really cut him right now and probably been all right at the defensive end position. They've got a ton of depth there. Tano Passanio, Breland Speaks, Taco Charlton, Damone Harris, uh, Tim Ward even. They're, They're all on the roster in addition to Frank Clark who's a starter on the opposite side. So instead of just cutting him, they approached him and said, we need you to do this restructure if you want to be part of the team this year. It essentially puts him in a contract year, which allows him to plan for his future. And if he has a big season, he can pursue another contract elsewhere in 2021. Um But it also tells you that the guys kind of want to be a part of what's going on in Kansas City. They'll potentially forfeit some money to do so. And and that's kind of important because people have been talking about that something like this might happen with Patrick Mahomes and the success uh, success that the Chiefs have been seeing for, for a while. But we haven't really seen that come to fruition because money is king in the NFL. But this year, we're kind of seeing it. Sammy Watkins restructures his deal. Demarcus Robinson comes back on a one-year deal. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif restructured his deal before opting out. Bashad Breeland comes back on a one-year deal. And now you have this with Okafor. So a lot of guys are, are taking less money to stay with this team. And that's going to be a powerful thing moving forward, especially with this salary cap floor being at 175 million in 2021. So there's going to be, you know, some financial uh, struggle moving forward for a lot of teams, for the Chiefs, absolutely. And, you know, guys are, are thinking and looking and they're, they're seeing, experiencing things with this team that are, that's telling them, hey, maybe I don't need all this money. Maybe the success that I'm seeing with this team is worth, you know, taking a little bit less. So, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of continues and evolves as this team only just gets better and better in the future. How do you think training camp has been so far for the Chiefs? I have a lot of thoughts because uh, I have been going over the film that they've shown from camp so far with a fine-tooth comb. So uh, let's start with with the battle at the uh, guard spots, the starting guard spots. Right now, 
they've shown us it's a three-way competition between Mike Remmers, Calicio Semele, and Andrew Wiley. All three of those players were spotted working with the first team and Patrick Mahomes and the, the starting offensive linemen that we know are already there. So left tackle Eric Fisher, starting center Austin Ryder, starting right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. All right. We had two shots that had Mike Remmers working in at left guard and Andrew Wiley working in at right guard. Now, it makes sense that Remmers is a bit ahead of the curve compared to Osemele because Remmers has been here since March. He's been here since, you know, the beginning days of, of free agency. So he's had time to, to get the lingo down. He's been in the virtual meetings. Osemele has a bit of catching up to do. But uh, what I found interesting is that Remmers shows up at left guard and he's only played 146 snaps there during his career. A lot of people thought Remmers would be uh, working in at, at swing tackle there, but he he hasn't seen any snaps at tackle so far that that we know of that we've been able to see. There's a lot. There's very limited tape out there right now. So this is just from what the Chiefs have been showing in their live look-ins at training camp and sharing on social media. But uh, the swing tackle battle seems to be between Greg Sanat and Jackson Barton. And those are two guys that we haven't really seen a whole lot of. So that'll be an interesting one to watch develop. Now, the offensive line did also show Osemele working at left guard and Remmers working at right guard for one snap. Now, it was a a snap where they had uh, padded shirts and helmets on. So... A little bit more significant than than a couple of the others where we saw Remmers and Wiley, uh, you know, without helmets, just kind of going through the walkthrough there. So, look, I mean, Andy Heck has has shown his M.O. before. All right. He likes to mix guys in at different spots. So then whatever curveballs get thrown at them during the course of an NFL game, they can adapt and adjust and have someone ready to step in. But it's interesting that they have these three guys kind of working at different spots and that the competition is coming down to just these three. So two of these guys, they're going to end up as the starters. I'm feeling that in the long run, it might end up being Osemele at left guard and Wiley at right guard with Remmers being able to pop in at either left or right guard if there's injuries. Uh, It it makes sense being that Remmers is working at both left and right guard. Now, next up, I want to talk a little bit about the running back pecking order. So it basically came out exactly as I predicted it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Darrell Williams are running with the first team offense. Darwin Thompson is working with the second team offense. And then DeAndre Washington with the third team. Some people were in my mentions on Twitter the other day, and they were kind of downplaying the fact that that Washington is working with the third team. Oh, it's early, you know. But remember, he's been through the virtual period with the team, all right? He's had some time to get the verbiage down. He's had some time to work with the coaching staff. So, I mean, if they really envisioned him for a larger role, I think he would be seeing maybe some more opportunities with, say, the second team 
or even, you know, with his former teammate Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech uh, on the first team. So I don't think that's a great sign for him. But again, I'm of the opinion that the Chiefs are going to run with four running backs on the roster. That would have DeAndre Washington making it. But we'll just have to see what happens in the long run. We still got a month left, uh, really, for them to kind of work these things out. I I think those top two guys, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and uh, Darrell Williams, those are your your number one, your number two running backs in Kansas City unless there is an injury. The tight end position is kind of seeing something similar to what's going on with, with the running back group. You have the free agent signing Ricky Seals-Jones, and he isn't getting work with the starters. It's guys like uh, Dion Yelder and Nick Kaiser who are actually working in with the first string in multiple tight end sets or when Travis Kelsey needs a breather. Kaiser in particular seemed to get a lot of reps across the board. First team, second team, third team, fourth team. He is getting a ton of work. So uh, maybe guys like Washington and Seals-Jones prove to be worthy of reps with the starters down the line as camp goes on. But, I mean, it's also, it's crunch time. We got we got less than a month to go until the season opens. So I, I'm not sure how much is going to change. If anything, you know, we don't have preseason games that these guys are working on. I can't really envision any drastic changes moving forward. Now, another thing that I found unique is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire seems to be taking some reps on special teams, working with Dave Tobe during uh, the punt and kick return drills at training camp. They're really overloading this kid between his work as a starter on the offense and then getting him involved in special teams. I'm curious if they think he's going to have a role there on, on the special teams units during the regular season. One final note, there's a lot of Mikkel Hardman working in with the first team offense. He was surprisingly absent from the group of return specialists working with Dave Tobe. Further lending to the narrative that we've told you about all offseason, the Chiefs are planning a larger role for Hardman on offense in 2020. They want to be able to stress defenses to the max. And a starting lineup of Hill, Hardman, Watkins, Kelsey, and Edward Hilaire, that's going to do exactly that. So uh, that, that's going to be really fun to watch. And uh, I'm excited to see that development. Pads come on on Friday. And the Chiefs claim to be doing a live, an actual live look in of training camp. So we'll see if that happens, but hopefully there's going to be some more information that we can kind of pick up on then to share with you guys. How serious of a blow is not having Lucas Niang this season? I'm not really sure that it's going to be a big deal for Kansas City in the long run. Brett Veach and Andy Reid haven't come out and said it, but the selection of Niang was much more about 2021 than it was about the 2020 season. I don't care what anyone says. He's a tackle. He's not playing guard in the NFL. And had he not injured his hip in 2019, this is a guy that could have been a first-round pick. Remember, he didn't allow a sack in his entire college career. So, I mean, obviously, you'd like to have this guy available to play this year, but he's not going to be here. He's not playing tackle in 2020 were he here unless he's a backup. 
So in 2021, you got the salary cap floor being 175 million. You might see the team forced to cut starting left tackle Eric Fisher just because of his contract. So in that scenario, you have a guy who will be two years removed from uh, a serious injury, his hip injury, and presumably ready to come in and play and start at one of the tackle positions. And now he won't have to cross train this year and play out of position, which potentially could junk up his development. But he's basically getting a redshirt year in 2020. Uh, he's still going to be under team control for four years. So, I mean, I guess in the long run, this could be a good thing for Kansas City. Any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? <laughs> sure. Uh, just yesterday, I took a look at the mounting evidence that the Chiefs could be revisiting the iconic 2-3 Jet Chip Wasp play uh, that, that they ran in Super Bowl 54. They could revisit that in the 2020 season in a number of different ways that, that could be beneficial to the team. Earlier in the week, we had some great stuff from the entire Chiefs Wire crew covering the Sunday press conferences in Kansas City. One in particular that, that I think everyone should check out is Mitch Carney's story on Chiefs rookie cornerback Legarius Sneed, who he explained that he feels prepared for the upcoming season despite the lack of a traditional offseason. So I thought that was a really interesting look, um, kind of what the, the rookies are going through right now and what they're feeling. And another thing to check out, um, I took a look at a handful of players that might be considered for the four spots on the protected practice squad. There are now four spots on the practice squad every week that can be protected from poaching. Uh, every Tuesday, teams can protect those four players. And uh, it's kind of a new feature that's going to add to the roster building strategy in Kansas City. And I, I really can't wait to see how Veach utilizes that to maybe give the Chiefs another advantage when it comes to their roster. As always, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning into the show and reading the website. Thank you guys so much. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back, and you know it's that time again. It's time for the roundtable. I have Mitch Carney, Coach Talon Graff. Guys, how's it going this week? It's going. It's going. It's a crazy world in college football, but it sounds like the Big 12 and most likely the SEC are going to be moving forward. Big 10, Pac-12 sounds like they're out. But it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's like watching a soap opera. Yeah. It uh, definitely is. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny. It's like this is the new norm. And, and the crazy part about it, you have different conferences say they're not going to play. There's some conferences say they're going to just do uh, abbreviated schedules, possibly in the spring. You think they're probably better off to just cancel the whole thing at this point, correct? I mean, if you're not going to play in the fall, I think it's going to be hard to play in the spring. If anything, it's just going to be a, a more important spring scrimmage is essentially what it's going to turn out to be because you're just going to play in the fall right after that. Um, and all your stars are going to be head toward the draft so yeah i mean 
if they want to play in the spring, I think that'd be fine. I think it'd be a good developmental tool, especially for guys missing out an entire season. You know, if you want to bring younger guys up and stuff like that, the guys are going to be thrust into the spotlight with all these stars gone. Yeah, I think a spring season would be okay for that. Um, but I don't know how you're going to do it if, like, half the conferences are playing in the spring and then the other half's playing in the fall. How do you determine a national title? All that stuff. There's a lot of moving parts here. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch. But, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, we, we just want what's best for these kids. You know, both sides have solid arguments about keeping the kids safe and stuff like that. And I know there's arguments about playing the game but you know the way they have these protocols at the, at the stadiums and practice facilities and, and all that i don't know it's 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 just interesting to see both sides i definitely agree with that and obviously you got the topic today we're talking about uh position grades and you know all the different things that go into it uh with just football and it starts from the collegiate level this is my poor way of making a transition into into our topic i don't know if you noticed that talent um, yeah, I, I picked up on it. <laughs> okay, I I just, but I didn't. I didn't really set you up very well. That's my fault. No, it's okay. It's okay. This is this is the, from the school of poor segues. It's okay. But we're gonna make it work. <laughs> uh, Mitch, this is another one of your um, brilliant ideas in regards to a topic. Um, I'm gonna let you introduce it. it yeah. So with just the uh, season being right around the corner, we're less than a month away. I figured we could just go over all the position groups and kind of you know give a grade on how we think they're gonna do. Uh, during the upcoming season, you know, we're like how we're feeling about them. Um, I'm excited. I think we got a really good team this year. I'm expecting some high grades today. Okay. I like that. I like that. Now, so here's how we're going to do this. We're going to go position by position, and uh, we're going to just go and throw a grade out there. Obviously, Talon, you're going to have yours. Mitch, you're going to have yours. Um, since we always talk about the offense with the Chiefs, how about we start off on the other side? Let's start off with the defense. Okay. Let's take a look at the defensive ends. And what are you guys looking at grade-wise? I, I know at the beginning of the season it wasn't too great, but obviously um, towards the end of the year you saw a lot more plays made by guys like Frank Clark. And, um, you know, what do you, what do you guys look at when you see the defensive ends of the Chiefs right now? What type of grade? Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Um, I'm actually going to go with a B plus. Um, I really like what we have. We got Frank Clark, we got Alex Okafor, we got Taco Charlton, and we got Tano, and then we got uh, Damone Harris and a couple other players in there. But uh, I'm really excited for uh, – and we also got Breland Speaks. I completely forgot about him, but who knows if he even makes the roster. But we, we, got, we got some good players. Frank Clark's obviously our best player. He's our best end. Um, I think year two we're going to see a big jump with him, you know, in Spag's defense. He played hurt almost half the season last year. We got him coming back. He is, you know, a Pro Bowl potential player. We got Alex Okafor, who missed the other half of the season uh, with a, uh, with a, with a, I think it was like a bicep injury. Well, he ended up missing the other half of the season. And uh, I think him coming back is going to be a big plus, big plus for the Chiefs. And I'm really excited for Tano. Um, I saw a big jump for him from year one to year two. And I'm hoping that maybe year three he gets more of a rotation. Maybe he starts playing you know, some more snaps and maybe makes more of an impact. But I really like what he brings to the table. He's just a really tall, lengthy, very athletic defensive end. And then maybe Taco Charlton comes in and, you know, and he ha has some sacks himself. He was a, a, formal, a former first-round pick. Um, he just didn't work out with the Cowboys uh, or with the Dolphins. So hopefully now with the Chiefs and the new defense defensive scheme of Steve Spagnuolo, he, uh, you know, is successful and, you know, 
we really have a lot of potential here. But just with the unknown with uh, Tano and Alex Okafor, because we haven't seen too much of him, I'm giving them a B plus because I know Frank Clark is automatically an A. But just with the unknown stuff, I'm going to bring it down just a little bit to a B plus. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I'm I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'll go A minus. Uh, I think everything you said is spot on. I really like the starting talent that, that the Chiefs have. Obviously, starts with Frank Clark. I think Taco Charlton, if all you know goes well, I think he could really push for that second DN starter spot uh, right behind Alex Okafor. With that that three group kind of left together in my head, I find I think those are three really solid starters if they're playing their best, if they're all 100 percent healthy. And then you know you look at the depth behind him with Speaks. Hopefully, you know. Uh, on social media, there's pictures of him. He looks trimmed down. He looks like he's been in the best shape since he's been in the league. And I know that's just one part of the game. And, you know, hopefully that, you know, actually his step up and and, uh, and, uh, and quality of play will, will be right, right on par with that. And then obviously K-Pass, and I like the rookie Mike Dana. I think those guys form a really solid group that can come in and spell the starting guys and just add a lot of depth to that D end room. So I'm going to go with an A-. minus. All right, all right. You know, uh, you got obviously some interesting options there. And um, since we have so many positions to go along, I, I just want to stay on the line real quick and let's go straight to defensive tackles. Um, real, Mitch, I'm going to go right to you and uh, jump in. What is your grade? Uh, I'm going with an A. Uh, I think we're actually pretty stacked at this position, especially if everybody stays healthy for a full season. They got Chris Jones as the obvious starter. He's, you know, our best player on defense or, you know, arguably one of our be better players on defense probably, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL behind Aaron Donald. And then, you know, to back him up, we got Derek Anadi, Colin Saunders, and Mike Pennell. All three of those guys you can rotate in, and they can be contributors, you know. Uh, Colin Saunders was a rookie last year, so I'm expecting year two. He takes, a, you know, a step, you know, in play and plays a little bit better. But I, like, I really like Derek Anadi. You saw how valuable Mike Pennell was, especially in the playoffs, you know, in the late half of the season. And then so I think all three of those players can come in and make a really good impact with Chris Jones, obviously being, you know, the chief sack leader probably this year. So I think, you know, defensive tackle is definitely our strongest, you know, part of our defense this year. Yeah, hard to argue. The interior of that defensive line is really, really solid. And obviously the retention of Chris Jones makes that, makes everything else work. Everybody else just kind of falls in line. You know where their place is as long as you have that star Chris Jones there. So yeah, Derek Naughty, great run stuffer. He's, get, he's getting better at the pass penetration, but that's never going to be his best asset and then yeah Pinellas Saunders great depth guys good against the run pretty solid against pass uh, but when you guys got got guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark and uh, hopefully Taco Charlton really penetrating the pocket as pass rushers you don't really need those guys to step up and they you know they can just do their thing and stuff the run so I'm, I don't think I actually gave a grade I'm going to give an A <laughs> I was just about to jump in and say like so what grade <laughs> are you looking at right now but <laughs> yeah definitely an A I like it. Okay, that, that works. That works. All right, so let's take a, a quick turn now to uh, outside linebackers. What type of grade we're looking at? Talent, I'm going to start off with you here. Uh, you know, for me, I think I like Willie Gay stepping in. You know, whether he's going to be inside, outside, I think it's Spags defense. You know, they mainly go, you know, two linebackers if we're going to go dime or nickel set. Um, so I'm just going to kind of clump them all together if you don't mind. But I think as a group, I would probably give this guy give these guys a B at best with Anthony Hitchens being the the, the seasoned veteran and 
arguably the biggest playmaker in the room as of right now. You know, Damian Wilson, Dorian O'Daniel, we'll see if he steps up and he finds the niche. I think – and then, you know, the guy I spoke of, the unproven rookie, Willie Gay. If this group works out and if Willie Gay can kind of emerge as the stud this year, I think we'll be fine. And I think Hitchens is probably not going to be the Chiefs uniform that much longer. Um, but right now, I, I, I got to give him a B. I think outside of cornerback, this is arguably our least uh, experienced and, and least talented group. Yeah, uh, I agree with mostly with what you with what Talon had to say. But I'm actually going to go with a C plus, um, just because we don't really know what really Gay is yet. We know he's an athletic linebacker who can cover. You know, he can, he can, you know, stop the run. He's, you know, really athletic, one of the most athletic linebackers in the draft. But with Anthony Hitchens, Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson, they're just, to me, they're just average linebackers. They're nothing really special. I mean, Dave, I mean, Anthony Hitchens is, you know, he's really good at getting players where they need to be. But he's just not that, that playmaker that, you know, that we're used to a linebacker like when we had Derek Johnson. And then our backups – they're just, they're, to me, they're just other linebackers. It's just Ben Neiman, who, you know, he, he can get on the field, but, you know, he's just a really special teams guy. Same with Dorian O'Daniel. We just don't know a lot about these players yet, um, especially really gay. So I'm going to go with the C plus just because of the unknown and that, you know, the starters that we do have and we do know about, they're, they haven't really proven anything to me yet. Okay, not a lot of love for the linebackers. I see that. But I, I completely understand it. Obviously, we've seen what, what they did last year. And uh, there's so much room for improvement. And there's a lot on Gay as a rookie, um, a lot of pressure on him just to see what he can do to help revamp it. Now, Talon, you said that you kind of want to group all the linebackers into one group. You don't want to say who's inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Mitch, I don't know if you had a separate um, assessment of the inside linebackers from what yeah, you just yeah. said. That was all together, just like Talon. That was all together, too? I just want to be sure. Okay. So we have that. We have the linebacking core there. How about we get now to the uh, cornerbacks, since we're talking about the, uh, the positions that uh, could use a little help heading into the next season. Mitch, how would you assess the uh, cornerback situation with the, with the Chiefs? Um, so I'm also factoring in the Chiefs are going to be without – probably be without Bashad Breeland for the first four weeks. He's probably going to get suspended. So I'm going to factor that a little bit in here, and I'm going to give the Chiefs a C-plus also just because we got to play the Texans, you know, week one, who I know they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, but they still have some weapons, and I'm kind of nervous for some of our young guys to take over. we got Rashad Fenton as a backup, and we also got Tarverius Ward, who's su- supposed to, supposedly supposed to be our number one corner this year. He's talking about how he wants to be a lockdown corner, one at the top in the league. It's a contract year for him. So I'm expecting big things out of him. But, you know, we've seen him kind of go on this roller coaster where he goes up. He has really high highs. He's got really low lows. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens this year. But I'm just not confident enough to say, hey, this is our guy. And then without, with Rashad Breland being out and Rashad, Rashad Fenton being our backup, we, we saw some highs with him. We saw him do some good things. But I don't know if he's necessarily the guy. Um, I'd be really good. It'd be really good if Breland was there. But unfortunately, he's just going to be out for the first four weeks. And then the rest of the guys are just Antonio Hamilton, Bo, B, Bo Pete Keys, and then Legarius Sneed. And, you know, those guys are rookies or players coming from other teams that are just expected to do special teams. So we just don't know what they're going to be or what they're going to do. We don't know if they're going to be big impact players or not. Um, so a lot of unknown, unknown players here. But I'm going to go with a C plus 
Um, if Bishop Breeland was playing, I'd probably give them a B. Yeah. You know, the, the Breland suspension looming is definitely it, – it brings this group down already more than it was. Uh, I'm going to go C-plus for this group. Uh, with Ward, you know, his potential seems to be pretty much untapped and, and, and who knows how high that guy can really really, really jump and uh, how, how high his ceiling is. So when you, when you look at Ward – you got to look at potential versus actually what you've seen. So I'm going to, you know, right now he's probably the best cornerback in the room with Breland being gone. Um, but I'm, I'm not there yet to really put all my trust in him to lead that group. Uh, and then, you know, like you said, Fenton, and then just kind of a lot of role players, a lot of unproven guys with the rookies, Sneed, Keys, even Levert Hill in that group. I really like Levert Hill, but again, he's an unproven rookie. And then, yeah, Antonio Hamilton coming over from the Giants. You know, a nickel guy, he's going to be a role player. He's going to be a passing down kind of guy. Um, and, and another guy to kind of keep your eye on is Alex Brown. He, he's a, he's a another he's a veteran so he's he has experience um look to him to kind of maybe lead this group a little bit in the locker room help these younger guys along athletically he's not you know where these other guys are but experience wise he is um but yeah all that kind of stuff to to bring up and, and go over i just think this this is a c plus group okay c plus you know c plus is still passing if you for rating off the education <laughs> scats went got, got me a degree but <laughs> <laughs> Really good considering that, like the little amount of resources the Chiefs have put into here. Like we, all these players are either un, undrafted free agents, or like a free agent flyer, or a sixth or seventh round pick, you know, or a late round pick. So to, for them to be a C plus is actually really impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I could I could see that for sure. I definitely agree with that. But you know how we go from a C plus with the cornerback situation. I'm pretty sure we're going to see a, a complete difference when we talk about the safeties right now. And uh, Talon, I'm going to have you uh, kick it off and uh, let us know your grade for the safety position with the Chiefs. Yeah, so for safeties, I, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic. I'm going to say a B minus. Obviously, we've talked about it a lot. Juan Thornhill's injury, that has a lot to do with that grading. Uh, Tyron Matthew himself, he, he's, an, he's an A-plus safety. He, he played a really vital role and pivotal role last season. And then obviously in Super Bowl and all that stuff. But Tyron Matthew, outside of that, Juan Thornhill with the injury, unknown. Daniel Sorensen, a very serviceable backup. I love, you know, I, I liked her to Dan. At other times, I, it's just I, I hate to see him on the field. Armani Watts, he's another guy that's kind of unproven. Uh, didn't really do much as a rookie and he has a lot to prove. Uh, but he's in, a, he's in a good room to grow and learn and stuff like that. And, and a lot of new faces, a lot of new faces. Um, but with Matthew, and then after that, Thornhill and his injury, I'm going to go yeah, like I said, B minus. It's a good group, but just not the best group that the Chiefs have to offer. A lot of room to grow. They could be really, really good. A lot of that is hinging on Juan Thornhill and how he bounces back. Yeah. Uh, so um, I would definitely give the Chiefs an A here if they had a Juan Thornhill week one. If I knew he was going to play, but since you know he's not here because if Juan Horn. If Juan Thornhill was playing, uh, the Chiefs have one of the best safety duos in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, Juan Thornhill is just that good of a player. But since he's injured, and I'm going to assume he's going to miss the week one or possibly a couple more weeks after that, I'm actually just going to give them a B plus. I really like Daniel Sorensen. I think a lot of people are undervaluing him for what he is. Um, I expect, I you know, I don't expect him to be a starting caliber player. You know, 16 games out of the year, whenever Juan Thornhill, if Juan Thornhill couldn't play at all. 
but I think he's you know a very serviceable serviceable player. And if he did, if he does have to start a few games, he's very good. And I think he can do some things that you know Chiefs fans you know undervalue, such as like his tackling and able to rush the passer. You know, he made some really big plays for the Chiefs whenever uh, Juan Thornhill was out during the playoffs. Um, these other guys, like you said, are just kind of uh, younger guys having made names for themselves, like Armani Watts. But um, I really like what they've done so far. Um, I think I just value Daniel Sorensen a little bit more than you. Yeah, you know what? I, I actually want to echo what uh, Mitch was saying. I'm a big Dirty Dan fan. I, I like what he did uh, last season. I, you know, for a guy to come in, uh, mostly expected to be a special teams guy, he does a great job of just filling in, doing enough to, you know, to, to help you get by. And you need players like that. You know, we, we always take it for granted where you have a backup player comes in, there's a huge drop-off with the defense in most teams. Now, with the Chiefs, yes, they have Tyron Matthew. We, we understand he's an all-pro uh, safety. But having a guy like Sorensen who's at least able to uh, keep him above water with Thornhill gone, I, I feel like it does bring more value. And, and that's what kind of going to balance it out for me. If I, I haven't thrown in a grade the whole time here, but I'm going to throw in a grade. I'm going to say B-plus for the safeties. That's just that's my opinion with that. I like it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going. That's that's what I'm sticking to. Uh. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I think I misspoke earlier when I was talking about Alex Brown being a veteran. I was I had Antonio Hamilton in my mind. He, yeah. Hamilton being the veteran, he's been around. I think this will be his fifth year. Alex Brown was drafted like a year ago, so I don't. I, my mind got warped and ignore what I said about Alex Brown being a veteran presence because I don't think he'll provide that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. I'm pretty sure he'll be heartbroken as he listens. To <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But hey, all love, Alex. It's all love. <laughs> It's all good. And, you know, speaking of love, we got to show some love to special teams. I feel like we haven't talked about special teams when we've been doing these episodes. So how about the punting position? Now, obviously, it's a, it's a big change this year. Mitch, real quick, what grade are you giving the new punter? Does it really matter? The Chiefs offense is just so good. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think right now we're going with Tommy Townsend. Uh, to be honest, I haven't kept up with it as well as I should. I'm pretty sure he's our punter right now. Um, he's from college. Hopefully he does well. I haven't seen much of his tape. He's a punter. Uh, the Chiefs offense is so good. He shouldn't really be on the field. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, hold the ball for Harrison Bucker though. So I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him a B just cause I don't really know much about him. You know, he seems like he's a really good college kick, college punter. Hopefully that translates to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, punters are people too, I guess. But you know, <laughs> as the thing goes, but yeah, I'm gonna go C plus just because of the legacy. This whoever the punter is, you know, they're gonna have to step into a, a, some really big shoes. Justin Colquitt is a is gonna be a chief legend if he's not already. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, C plus right now, unknown, no idea, you know, anything about the kid. And then other than that, just the fact that he has to replace a, a guy like Dustin Colquitt, that's got to be added pressure. I think I have to use that as my new, um, my new hashtag. Punters are people, too. I like that. That's just <laughs> – that is deep, man. I, I am a fan of that one right there, Talon. Uh, I'm curious – now, you guys have to show um, the, the, the place kicker a lot more love. I mean, he's been around a little, for a little while now. He's made some big kicks. What about Butker? What, what, what are we giving him? What's his grade? I'm going to go back to you, Talon. I'm going to go A+. Plus. I like me some butt kicker. Um, he, he seems like he's really invested in the city. He seems like he's really invested in the team. And really, kind of like what we were saying about the punter, 
the kicker gets to the exact opposite uh, on the opposite of the spectrum. He gets to benefit from the Chiefs' offense. So this guy looks way better than what he probably actually is. He's a good kicker. Don't get me wrong. He's he's hit some clutch shots for the Chiefs. But man, with that offense, you got to be a love to. You have to love to be the kicker for the Chiefs right now. You you know you're going to score a butt ton of points. You're you're going to look. You know your stats going to be inflated. If you know Harrison Bucker, man, he's in the best situation in all the NFL. So I got to give him an A plus. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Ever since Bucker hit that game winner, his first game against the Redskins with the Chiefs, whenever he, whenever he replaced uh, Santos, he's just been rock solid. He's missed very few kicks. Yeah, you know, he had a really big game winner against the Vikings this last season. Just a lot of, you know, positive things from him. He has the potential to be one, one of the better Chiefs kickers in history, in my opinion, if he keeps going at the rate he is. So I'm really excited for him. Definitely an A-plus, though. Um, he did some really big things for us this last season, and uh, I'm ready to see what he does for us in the future. Okay. Okay. So, you know, that, that sounded a lot better. I like how you guys rallied around the, the, the two important special teams kickers. You know, like, we got to show them some love on at least some list. So, that's what we did. Now let's get to the offense, which everyone cares about, and we're going to go right to the offensive line. Let's just go with the guards. How do we feel about the guards right now for the Chiefs? And we're going to go with you, Mitch. At guard, um, this is another one of those things where it's kind of like in the unknown right now. I'm feeling pretty confident just because we got Assembly in there. Um, I think he's going to be a really big part of the offensive line this season. I think he is one of the, you know, one of the best under-the-radar under signings in the NFL this season. Uh, he is a Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler. He's going to be really good. And then we got Andrew Wiley, who did struggle last season when he was in there. Um, he had some pretty bad bad, bad moments this season. But, uh, you know, there is potential there for him. Then uh, backing them up, we got Martinez Rankin, who looked really, really good before he got hurt, unfortunately. And then we got some other players in there. Uh, of course, the Chiefs always move everybody around. So I'm not really quite sure where everybody's going to end up. Um, especially with Nick Allegretti, uh, Ryan Hunter, Daryl Williams, and some of these other players he brought in. But uh, just talking about, like, Kalichi, uh, Assembly, and Wiley, um, I'm going to give them a B-, and I feel like I'm being actually a little optimistic there just because of what we saw from Wiley last year, and then we don't really know what Assembly is going to bring to the team. I do think he's going to be pretty good, but I'm just not quite sure. Uh, I'm pretty excited where I'm – I, I'm pretty optimistic, though, about uh, what they're going to bring. And I think that, uh, you know, they'll do a pretty good job protecting Pat. It will be interesting to see if Martinez Rankin uh, does make that starting lineup just because we did see success from him last year whenever he was playing. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going to agree a little bit with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit higher grading. I went with a B plus. Um, Osimile, I'm with you. I think it's a great signing. I think he is going to be one of those underrated signings that people look at and say, man, how did the Chiefs, you know, the best team in the NFL, how did they get this guy? Um, and then <clears throat> when you look at the guys, I think Mike Rimmers, the free agent signing, I think he's going to play primarily guard. If he does play tackle, it's because of an injury. Um, but with the situation at the guard spot, I think Rimmers and, and our uh, on the Chiefs wire, uh, an article was actually published today about – the uh, the way they were running the the offensive line units, group one, group two, and all that stuff. So Rimmers is actually a starting left guard, and I really like that. And then Osimile is a backup left guard and the second team right guard. Um, and then I really like Wiley. He's a young guy, pretty unproven. I I think he you know he when he's surrounded by other 
you know, solid guys on the offensive line, I think he does fine. Um, but I think he needs a little help there. But, yeah, I, there, it's not a great group. It's not something to write home about. But, hey, you know, obviously I think it's going to be able to get the job done a little bit when the when push comes to shove. Um, so especially with Osimile and Rimmers and guys like that, I'm going to go B+. Plus. Not the best group, but, you know, it's, it's not nothing. To be honest, I completely forgot to choose Scott Rimmers, so I'm actually going to bump mine up just a little bit to B. I actually do think he's going. He's a, he was a really good signing this offseason too, and I think he could, you know, definitely have a crack at making that starting lineup. Thank you for reminding me that the Chiefs got him. I completely forgot about that. No problem. <laughs> That's what we're all about. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, you're good. I just kind of thought maybe you'd lump in with the tackles because that's that is where he's primarily played. I just think he's going to be more beneficial at the guard spot. Uh, I was just going to say that's what we're all about, helping each other out, you know. It's, that's it's right. good. I like it. I like that, you know. So uh, how about this? We're going to help help each other out by making a quick segue from guards to tackles as we talk about Mike Remmers, who's probably going to end up in this conversation as well. Mitch, we're going to start back with you. Yeah, I'm going to go with an A-. minus. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz is obviously one of the best tackles in the NFL. You know, he's, he's you know, severely underrated by, you know, his peers and, you know, the media and stuff. But we all know that he's like the Chiefs' best offensive lineman, and you know, you know, I consider him almost a skill player. You know what he's able to do for the offensive line there. Uh, so I'm gonna—he's you know an A. And then we got Eric Fisher, who I think is you know, extremely undervalued. I think a lot of that has to do with that he was a first—you know—he was the first pick in the draft, so people expect him to be this amazing player. But you know, we saw whenever he was out of you know out of the lineup, you know how much the Chiefs struggled without him. So just him being in the lineup is such a big plus. Um, so he's really good. And we got Mitchell Schwartz, who's obviously really good. And we got Mike Rimmers, like you said. But, you know, we both kind of, you know, think he's going to play more of the guard position, especially if everybody's healthy. Um, you know, it sucks that we don't have Lucas Niang because, you know, this is the type of guy who could have filled in if there's an injury and feel really comfortable with. But I'm going to go with, a, uh, with an A- minus just because I feel like both of those players are really, really good. And, you know, they – you know, the only time I really saw Eric Fisher struggle was in the Super Bowl against Nick Bosa. But, you know, Nick Bosa is going to force any offensive lineman to struggle. Um, I feel really comfortable, you know, with our tackles going into the season. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm going to stick with that grade, too. I'm going to give an A-. minus. I really like Fisher. Um, he's had an underrated career. He hadn't had a number one overall pick career. But, you know, he got drafted and you know, not a lot of Big names come out of that early in the draft. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. But I Mitchell Schwartz, yeah, one of the best right tackles, if not the best right tackle in the game. Um, pivotal to this offensive line. Uh, and then you got you look at your backups. A lot of young guys. I like Greg Sonat. I think he could step in if need be. Uh, I like Jackson Barton, a really young guy who's an Indianapolis cast off. You know, and, they, and Indianapolis is one of the best offensive lines in the league. So I think Jackson Barton, he was a draft pick of theirs last year. And I, I really like his – uh, potential and the, the the prospect of having him step in at a later date, and then uh, the, the young rookie out of Missouri, Yesser Durant, I really like him as well. Um, so as a whole, with the with the stars we have, the veteran leadership, the experience, um, the championship pedigree, and then I think there's a lot of guys, you know, and I can throw Martinez Rankin in there once he gets healthy. Uh, a lot of guys that can step in in certain situations if they need to. Uh, obviously, Shorts and Fisher, we the Chiefs need those guys in there. Um, like 98% of the time. But there are guys that can step in if need be. I just, I just hope those backup guys don't need to start too soon. All right. All right, now here's a position that is, I feel like, ignored often in regards to discussions, especially with the Chiefs, the center position. 
How are we evaluating the center position, the depth, you know, everything that goes along with it? Talon, going to go right back with you. Sure. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go with the B. Uh, I think Reader, Ryder, actually not sure how to pronounce his name. I think it's Reader. Um, that's what I've always said anyway. So Austin Reader, I think, is, he's a solid starter. And with the guys around him, he's even better. And in the back of Daryl Williams out of Mississippi State, the rookie, I really like his game. Uh, Nick Allegretti was out of Cincinnati, was drafted as a center. Uh, so he can still, you know, play there. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's guys. We have guys in the center position. We've always, you know, the Chiefs have always had a really good center, it seems like. Once from Ronnie Hudson to Mitch Morris, you know, and now we're in, you know, the present day. And I think Daryl Williams is the feature of that position. If I'm going to be com- uh, completely honest, I really like the guy to Mississippi State. And eventually, I think Reader's going to be the backup to maybe not this year, but Daryl Williams. I really like the potential of that. So I, that for me kind of raised that t- to a B. Yeah, I'm going to go with a B also. I really like Austin. I think he's, uh, you know, a serviceable, serviceable center. Um, it's really hard to play center in the NFL. Um, you know, he's a really good player. He's, you know, he, you know, had a really good season last year, was able to do things. He, you know, stayed healthy. Uh, didn't get hurt, and then we got you know Ryan Hunter, uh, not Ryan Hunter, excuse me, Daryl Daryl Williams and Nick Allegretti behind him. Um, those players can you know fill in if he gets hurt, but I think Austin Ryder, you know, was a is a successful center, and you know will do good for us in the year this year. Okay, so we're starting to run out of uh, a little bit of this segment. Let's try to speed it up a little bit. How about the tight ends? What are we looking at grade wise? Talent going right back to you. Yeah, it's got to be an A minus. Travis Kelsey is one of the best in the game. Then you got um, Nick Kaiser, Deion Elder backing him up, and then Ricky Seals Jones, the the free agent. So that's a really good group of guys. A lot of you know, pass catching guys, a lot of blocking guys, guys that can kind of do it all. So I got to go A minus. Great group. Yeah, I'm gonna go with an A, uh, just because I think Ricky Seals Jones is gonna make make more of an impact than people think. There's a lot of stuff that you know they can do with him in the passing game. So I think he's actually gonna get more playing time than some of the past tight ends we saw last year, like uh, um, the two tight ends. <laughs> I can't think of their names. I'm sorry. Yeah, Deion Yelder was one of them. Yeah, Deion Yelder and then, uh, uh, Blake Bell. Blake Bell. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. But I think Ricky Seals Jones is actually gonna make more of an impact than. Uh, than they did last season. Okay. Okay. I like those grades. A high grade, obviously, for the tight end position for obvious reasons. But let's do a quick transition now to running backs. What are we looking at for the running backs? And I'm going to go with you, Mitch. Uh, running backs, I, I mean, the way I've been talking the last couple of weeks, I got to go with an A just because I'm seeing Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be an offensive rookie of the year. Uh, and then we got DeAndre Washington behind him, Darrell Williams, who I think people undervalue like crazy. You know, he's not just a short yardage running back. He can do things out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. He, he's got some speed to him, and he, he's a really good running back. You know, whenever we saw him play a lot last season, he did some really good things. And then we got Darwin Thompson, who can also do some things if there's some injuries. But overall, this is a really good group. I'm still predicting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be offensive rookie of the year. So, easy A, uh, I think we're going to see some really exciting things out of this group. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. I'm gonna go B plus. Just with you know, every anytime you have a rookie, I'm sure he's gonna be good. We've talked about this so much, but yes, um, for the group, I'm gonna go B plus. I like that there's a bunch of guys that could, that I trust in the backfield. I think every single one of these guys can carry the ball. They could you know contribute in the passing game. Uh, if one starts to emerge as the guy, I'm all for it. But I think as right now, it's just as a group, it's it's really really talented. Um, but I'll give it a B plus as a whole. All right, we're going to keep things moving. Let's go to the wide receiver crew. And, Talon, you started off. 
got to go A+. plus. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, and then you got to throw in Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, even Byron Pringle. Like, there's there, the depth and the skill and the speed. This receiving core has to be arguably the best in the game. Uh, you know, and they proved that last year multiple times. And with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, man, it's an A-plus group. Yeah, uh, it's an easy A-plus for me. You know, if there's a couple of injuries, unfortunately, say to Sammy Watkins or Nicole Harden and Demarcus Robinson, you know, like say like something crazy like that happened, I would actually feel comfortable with Byron Pringle getting a start and getting some major playing time. I mean, we saw like he could be successful in the offense in the offense and do some things. So with him, you know, being like a really good serviceable 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 uh, being a good backup. Sorry, with him being a really good backup, uh, you know, and coming in. You know, that's like a crazy just how good our how crazy good our wide receivers are just with Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle being such a being such a poor player and being a backup. Okay, so fair great for the wide receivers. Now we've come down to the toughest position to judge, and that is quarterback. Okay. So what you guys are thinking long and hard about this one? Because it's uh it's not a slam dunk, all right? Just letting you know. Talon, kick us off. What do you what is your thoughts on the quarterback position? The fact that the Chiefs didn't do anything they could to trade up in the draft to take a quarterback is beyond me. That's the biggest team need. That no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a plus. It's Patrick Mahomes. You have the best quarterback in the league as your starter. Uh, as long as he's on, on the field, this team is a playoff and Super Bowl contender. Then you got the veterans: Matt Moore, Chad Henney, Jordan Thomas, who is potentially and hopefully the future of the backup quarterback for the Chiefs. So I think it's a you know it's, it's easy group. A plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with an A-plus also. Patrick Mahomes, that's easy. And then we got Matt Moore, who can win a couple games if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt. He showed that last season, so that's an easy A-plus for me. I think that might have been the easiest position to judge. I think it's fair <laughs> to say, right? We, we, didn't, we didn't think too hard for that one, okay? So <laughs> that's pretty good to say. Um, another great topic, uh, another great week of discussions. Uh, Talon, Mitch, until next time, guys. All right, y'all stay safe. Peace. Hey, Sammy, how you doing today? How you doing? Good. Hey, um, you remember in that um, interview you did two, three months ago, you talked about maybe World War Three. was just wanting to – Maybe you could clarify exactly what you meant there and also whether you still feel that way. And also, you could have become a free agent if you wanted to. Why, why was it so important to you to stay in Kansas City with the Chiefs? Um, very important to stay here. I think um, for, for what we did and winning the Super Bowl and the type of team and coaches we have, organization, um, why wouldn't I stay? You know what I mean? Um, I'm a guy that's been in the league now going on seven years, and um, I've been on teams where I was not so good. And we're not, we weren't winning. So um, my job was to really stay focused and, you know, be on a team to where we got well-established quarterback, well-established team and um, coaches, organization. And um, I think the fun is in the winning um, more than anything. And also about the um, uh, World War III and, and whether you still feel that way? Um, not necessarily World War III. Um, I'm just a, a deep guy, I think deeply, but um, – I think now I'm past that 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 phase of looking into things. Um, I just really want to 
um, get back to football. I think that's the important thing in my life that, that um, I want to focus on football, family, and um, just focus on being a better player, a better man. Sammy. How you doing? Um, good. What is sort of the balance between wanting yourself to have big games week after week after week versus recognizing the, the offense and you've got Tyreek, you've got Travis? I mean, what, what's sort of that balance mentally? Um, I think every receiver or any player want to go out there and do well and, you know, score touchdowns or catch as many as balls as you possibly can and get the yards. Um, and as myself, um, I want those type of things. And um, now do I have to – be mad or angry at the guys going out there getting it. No, um, I love my guys. I love to see guys going out there balling. And um, it's my job and my duty to serve um, others as well as they serve me. So um, as a receiver, yeah, of course, um, I want more balls and would love to have more balls, but that's not my focus. My focus in, in is getting the win and, and going out there having fun. Hey, Sammy, the last couple of years in the playoffs, you've, you've had big games, whether it was against New England, obviously the play in the Super Bowl, Tennessee, you've had some big plays. What is it about the postseason that, you know, you just c come out of, out of nowhere really and have these huge games and have huge performances when it matters most? Um, I just think I stay prepared. Um, you know, I just stay prepared all season. And, um, you know, when those plays are called and those opportunities are presented, um, I try to make the best of them. And um, so far, man, coaching the staff and the players, um, when, it, when my name been called in the playoffs, um, I've been producing, and um, that's the best thing about um, staying prepared and staying um, ready um, when, when your name is called. Hey, Sammy, how you doing, man? How you doing? Hey, you, you posted on social media uh, about voting. I'm interested to know your thoughts about the voting initiative that uh, Patrick and Tyron have started and if you have any involvement with it. Um, for sure. I think, um, you know, everybody should vote, um, not just on the president and little things like that, but – when you're talking about voting, you can change a lot of things in your community. And um, I think that's very important for us athletes to speak up and talk about it um, and, and not get involved in the other craziness that's going on in the world. But I think voting is serious. And um, if we can change this, the small things and legislation, whatever going on in communities to get better people in, I definitely um, admire, I mean, admire the people that's out there fighting to vote and um, the people that's pushing and um, spreading that knowledge. Let's go to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. Sammy, whenever uh, people run back like highlight packages from the Super Bowl, one of the select few pet plays is always going to be that that play to you, the deep ball to get inside the twenty to set up the game-winning touchdown. For you and your career, I'm just curious where where does where does that one rank? Number one, <laughs> um, just to do it on the stage and um, the timing of that game. You know what I mean? And um, to do it on one, I think arguably the top ten corners, Hall of Famer. It's definitely one in the memory bank, and um, that, that's everywhere. My family, friends, fans, they always remind me, man, that's one of the biggest plays of the game, so I can always take that with me. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. <laughs>